The Mitchell's Front Page Podcast is brought to you by Geelong Bank. Listen live on 94.7 The Pulse, Mondays and Tuesdays from 9 till 11. On the line, we've got Kristen Lee, who is the Communications Manager for the Coalition for the Protection of Resources. Kristen, thanks very much for being on the program. Hi, Mitchell. Thanks for having me. So, first of all, can you sum up the findings in this report? Yeah, well, unfortunately, we've uh, seen that uh, things have gotten worse for horses on the racetrack, certainly not better. Uh, 149 horses were reported to have been killed on Australian racetracks due to injuries sustained through being used to race. Now, unfortunately, this is uh, a number that is uh, grossly understated because most of the deaths uh, that occur in, uh, from injuries sustained in racing uh, occur away from the track after the horse has been taken away for veterinary treatment um, and you'll find that they either can't be saved or the owners and trainers don't want to spend the money to help them recover, which is quite a, a big investment. And when someone is purchased for the sole purpose of making you money, then it uh, doesn't make sense to a lot of these people to instead lose money on them. So you see that these animals just, you know, treated as a commodity and uh, discarded uh, when they can't be healed or they choose not to have them healed. So um, this is, uh, this 149 figure is shocking and one, um, you know, horse being killed in the name of gambling entertainment is too many. Um, but uh, unfortunately, it's still uh, just the tip of the iceberg. They also aren't required to report on deaths that happen in trials and track work. Um, so, so again, that shows that the number is grossly understated. And clearly the 149, if it's only talking about deaths on the track, is it looking at racehorses potentially being slaughtered in abattoirs? Exactly. So our study uh, and investigations a few years ago, which is available at our website, horseracingkills.com, showed that... Uh, we estimate approximately 10,000 thoroughbred horses alone are being sent to slaughter when they're no longer profitable uh, or even before they even get to the racetrack because they're not showing the right uh, attributes to be a, a winning horse. So um, the Miramist Abattoir, which was the uh, 7.30 report, showed that yes. you know, it's very distressing expose. Uh, that was part of that investigation. Uh, and that alone, we saw uh, about 5,000 racehorses, 4,000 of them from a thoroughbred racing industry approximately going there each year and that doesn't include that's the one slaughterhouse we currently have in this country that is slaughtering horses for human consumption um, so this doesn't include all the knackeries around the country which is approximately 30 that are killing horses um, from uh, the thoroughbred industry for the pet food industry so um, yeah our, our um, estimations are about 10,000 now this industry breeds about 13,000 thoroughbreds into it each year so, um, you know, just basically the vast majority that are being bred into the industry are being killed when no longer wanted. And what I said at the time when that documentary or expose 730 program came out was that they should have a register that tracks the horses from birth to death. And I believe they're microchips, so it shouldn't be that difficult. And when they are slaughtered, that should all be part of this register, perhaps make it fully transparent and publicly accessible. And then the statistics will come out and people will be able to make an informed choice. But it appears maybe that that hasn't happened or are there steps towards something like that or not really? 
Well, exactly. It's uh, it was uh, supposed to happen. Uh, the the uh, investigation into that showed that it was required and it was doable. And they put together a working group finally late last year to start working towards a way to make this program um, effective and efficient. And they've been stalling, unfortunately. We've been writing to them and questioning why they've made no progress. They they have literally made no progress in 12 months now um, and they're not being um, very open in what the process has been. Uh, there are racing industry members in that working group and we, on the, on the outside, they say they support the traceability register, but um, we suspect that behind the scenes they, they would not be because uh, it would be very telling of what's going on with those horses. Um, can you talk to us about this specific figure that's come out? So this is deaths of horses on the actual racetrack. Why is it so high? Why are horses more likely to be fatally injured? Well, there's a lot of contributing factors. Uh, they are pushed way too hard and way too often, we believe is one of the biggest ones. Uh, there's been studies that the racing Victoria themselves and our taxpayer dollars from the Victorian and even the federal government have gone into studies at the uh, Equine Centre at Melbourne University where they've shown that bone fatigue is the leading cause of catastrophic injury, limb injuries in, in the racing industry. Um, and they've basically said that these horses need to be rested way more often than they are being. Yet, so the, the Racing Victoria has this data, they have this information from these experts who have done these studies that we have helped to fund and they're ignoring the findings. So you're seeing, um, you know, no restrictions on how often a horse can be raced, no, no requirements on how often they should be spelled. Um, as our Death Watch report will show, if people want to have a look that it, we just published this week, I mean, there's horses that have being raced an extraordinary amount of times, never getting a rest. And of course, they're going to have these breakdowns. Their bodies just cannot handle it. But this is this is just one thing as well. It's not just to say that if we rest these horses more often, they'll be okay. I mean, some of them are dropping dead on their first race. We know that doping goes on, uh, heart attacks happen, exercise-induced pulmonary hemorrhage is a, a condition that horses uh, suffer. Studies show the vast majority of horses bleed uh, from the lungs to varying degrees almost on every time they're raced and sometimes as our report shows uh, they bleed so bad in racing that blood comes through their nose this is a frequent occurrence and when that happens they get a three-month suspension but then they're allowed back on the track and then if it happens twice they are banned um, but we're seeing horses die on the first major bleed so there's all these things that come into it uh, pelvis injuries shoulder injuries we see head trauma um, yeah, it's just terrific. And if people read the report, they will understand that what they're supporting, if they do go to the races or they do take part in a, in a cup sweep even, is, is basically the brutal treatment and killing of these horses for entertainment and gambling profit. Does the report do a bit of a breakdown on the trends in the different types of racing? Like how is jumps racing going, for example? Jumps Racing yeah, is a campaign we have been running for a long time. Um, the reports in uh, the deaths in jumps are higher. Uh, the uh, statistics show they're 19 times higher in jumps racing than in flat racing. Um, so it is a, a much more brutal activity. Uh, the racing industry are doing all they can to try to, you know, tell us that it's being made safer, but we still saw horses dying jumps racing again this year. We saw a lot of horses removed from the track injured and we don't know what happened to them. There's very little transparency with jumps and with flat racing. So the death toll on jumps racing that we 
track this year was lower than previous years, but at the same time, we also believe that the racing industry are getting better at hiding these deaths. And that's why we've got a petition on our website that is calling for mandatory reporting of deaths. Because like you said before, people deserve to know what they're supporting and they need to understand that their, you know, feelingly innocent flutter at the track is actually supporting something that I believe deep down the vast majority of people would be against if they really knew uh, what it was that was going on. So, yeah, there's a petition on our website. People can sign to support the mandatory reporting of deaths in in track work trials, training and on the racetrack. Um, And that's being directed at all the state uh, government racing ministers so they can force that on the industry because the industry certainly won't do it themselves. They know our report of 149 deaths. Although they hate that we put these figures out, they also know that they're grossly understated themselves. I suspect that your your policy position as an organisation would be to ban all forms of racing, but correct me if I'm wrong, but are there reforms that can be made that would make it safer for horses that don't involve shutting down the whole industry? There are, um, yeah, and like you said, I just, we, from what we've observed over the last 10 years of investigating this industry, we understand entirely that horse racing can never be made kind for those horses, um, but there are certainly reforms that can be made uh, if racing must persist until we get to that point. So we can ban the whip. There's currently Animal Justice Party uh, um, uh, putting forward a motion in the parliament tomorrow actually to have the whip banned from racing. Now the whip basically has been proven to not only hurt horses when they're beaten with it, which is, you know, common sense for the majority of us, but also pushes them. uh, They're being pushed at the end of the race when they can be beaten as many times as the jockey likes. And they're actually at their physical limit. They cannot go any faster and they're being beaten anyway. And uh, this is what also leads to these catastrophic breakdowns because they literally can't go faster, but they're being pushed. So they're trying and they're trying. So for the the whip to go would be a great step uh, obviously in the right direction as far as welfare reforms go. We need to see the end of, you know, horses being sent to sales and sent to the doggers, sent to slaughterhouses. We need to end the export of horses for human consumption, which is what the Miramist Abattoir is doing. They export the the bodies of these horses to Europe and to uh, Russia and to Asia for human consumption. So we need to see that trade end. Um, we need to see the industry start taking care of these horses before, during and after racing in a better way. There needs to be retirement plans. Um, we've got a, a 1% uh, to stop the slaughter campaign, which is to put these massive funds that this industry makes, just a tiny portion of them into caring for these horses after they've finished, people have finished with them on the racetrack. It's not fair to dump this into charities. You see charities constantly asking for donations from the general public to look after the horses that have come from a multi million dollar industry which actually actually turns over 21 billion in betting turnover alone every year yet they can't look after the horses that have they have used to make this money it's absolutely disgraceful um we also need to see spelling more often like that um study I was talking about earlier on bone fatigue uh the horses need to be given massive rest breaks in between racing training periods lots of things we can do 
All right, just breaking in, uh, we've just got the case numbers for Victoria, 445 new local cases uh, acquired today and zero cases acquired overseas. So 445 is the number for today, which I think is roughly on par with yesterday. Um, just on the Merrimist Abattoir situation, uh, I believe that the the employees of Merrimist that were featured in that program, I believe they were charged. I don't know what actually happened and how that... I think they got fines from memory, but um, were there any actual bigger changes to Merrimist Abattoir as a result of that program? Uh, they are claiming that there have been improvements there uh, with the treatment of the horses. But again, what we've seen is it took investigators um, uh, to come forward with that evidence to show that things go on there that are beyond what anyone even that it supports a slaughterhouse would expect goes on. So... It's all talk in our view. We like to think that things have improved there, but at the end of the day, I mean, how can you humanely kill someone who doesn't want to die? So um, even if improvements have happened there, the place, would, it's still a slaughterhouse. It's still terrifying for those horses. They still know what's about to happen to them. And the reality is that um, the people that are, that are employed to do this work, um, it's very, you know, as much as we... we wanted to see more for those employees that were that got a slap on the wrist basically for that horrific treatment of those horses at the end of the day they are paid to do an absolutely gruesome job that i can't imagine anyone would find a way to do that is in a in a in a a healthy mental state i mean anyone that's job is to kill animals who are struggling to live every single day is going to have a psychological impact so um merrimist is still operating and we, we would love to see it closed down or at the very least them banned from sending horses for export and we've got a, a petition that, that can be signed to support that as well. And just last of all, Spring Racing Carnival is just around the corner. What plans do you have? Maybe you can't reveal all of your plans if you're trying to go with that sort of shock thing because I just recall that 7.30 program, that hit right on the, the eve of Spring Racing Carnival at the time. Um, but do you have any plans? And I suppose are those plans for activism inhibited by COVID? Yeah, it's hard to plan this year again like last year. Um, we'll do our best to, to do what we do every year and be near the track and, and running a Not to the Cup event, um, which shows people that you can have a great time without betting on animal abuse. Um, but, uh, but whether we can do that again this year is going to be tough. We encourage people in other states that might be not be in as hard a lockdown to try to do Not to the Cup events as best they can, even if they're by online actions, uh, which is what we'll definitely be doing again as well, um, trying to spread awareness online taking part in uh, last year we hijacked the Melbourne fashion stakes because it became an online event due to no crowds at the Flemington track so yeah we were planning to do things within the limitations we have as best as we can and we need people to get on board we can't do this alone we need people to boycott the office sweep we're about to launch a page on our website which offers a support kit and information on how people can do a uh, nut to the cup in the office. I mean, this has been culturally ingrained in our society for so many years and a lot of people who might be against it might feel nervous in their workplace to speak up. So we need to support those people and show that this is culturally, un uh, this this thing that has been ingrained in our culture is completely unacceptable and uh, um, get people to start talking up. We need to change this culture and stop 
making it okay to celebrate animal abuse um, in this country. So, um, yeah, we'll do everything we can and we hope people can get on board and support uh, keep an eye on our websites and run their own up to the cup. They can register an up to the cup and we can help them promote that and send support kits to everyone for that as well. Um, there's a bunch of other ways to take action. You can take the pledge to never bet on or support a horse race again on our website. Um, but yeah, just follow us on Facebook and people can see whatever we're planning and help get involved. Well, thanks so much for being on the program. Really appreciate it. And uh, we may talk to you again if there's new evidence or new reports that come up because it's an issue that we continue to follow. Thank you so much. Our much pleasure. Appreciated. Thank you. Kristen Lee with us there, the communications manager for the Coalition for the Protection of Resources. The Mitchell's Front Page Podcast is brought to you by Geelong Bank. Listen live on 94.7 The Pulse, Mondays and Tuesdays from 9 to 11. Or search for Mitchell's Front Page on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or wherever you get your podcasts.